0: I hope you're doing well this morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and uh, I'm glad that you're here this morning. I wanna do two things uh, before we dive in today and uh, continue in our series, Did God Say That? First, I wanna thank John uh, Redgrave and his team from the South Carolina Upstate. I think they just went in the back uh, there, but um, man, I'm so thankful for him being here uh, when our team is all gone. Why don't you give it up for John and his team leading worship this morning. John's led, uh, uh, John and his team have led worship at different times uh, throughout the life of our church and just very glad that they can come in and uh, stand in and and be there. Cynthia is, uh, my wife Cynthia, uh, is with a group of people in New York City. Uh, the, over the weekend, uh, they arrived on Thursday, and they'll be there uh, till. Uh, some of them, I think, are coming back tomorrow. Uh, it's our first time that we've ever done a mission uh, mission trip to New York City, and uh, we're doing it in partnership with our new partner called the Gallery Church. And uh, they have had a great weekend. They had a big event that they did in the um, like in the area that the church is around is an area called Chelsea. Some of you know Chelsea, and so they did an outreach there. They expected about 50, and ended up with about 300. So. That was really good, and they're having a great morning this morning, so um, continue to pray for our missions team in New York. Uh, I I tell you, the second thing I want to do is I just want to address um, what has happened over the last 24 hours in our country, and I want to pause and I want us to pray for the families who are affected. I n- never did I think when I went to sleep last night, and some of you probably feel the same way, that we'd be looking at what we saw in El Paso and then wake up to something else like happened in Dayton yesterday and last night. And uh, so with uh, what happened in California this week, uh, gosh, I, I just got to be honest with you. Without um, the truth of the songs that we just sang about, um, without the, that thought and without the truth behind us, we have no hope. And um, it is hard to understand. It is hard to figure that out. But what we as Christ followers can do is we can pray. Um, and so would you join me in praying for the people of Dayton, El Paso, and there in California. So would you join me in a word of prayer as we pray for them. God, our hearts are saddened. Our minds can't comprehend, our souls are maybe even a little bit unsettled with what we see happen far, far too often here in this country and and suffering in other places around the world. And God, for the people of Gilroy and El Paso and Dayton uh, who were affected by these terrible tragedies over these past few days, God, I just pray right now in the strong name of jesus that we just sang about god that you would bring hope into a hopeless situation god that you would allow light to be cast into the darkness and god i pray that it is an opportunity for people who are far from you in those places who have been devastated beyond comprehension um, with family members friends loved ones who have been harmed or, or killed god i just pray that you would lead them to a place Of coming to faith in you. Because without you, God, we have no hope. But with you, with you, we can be assured that ultimately, in the end, come good or bad here on this side of heaven, that we have eternal life with you. And God, we thank you for that truth. God, I pray that you administer right now to all those family and friends who are affected And God, may you bring a light into that dark situation. Be with us now. As we dive into your word, I pray that you would be pleased. Father, may your Holy Spirit do the work that you want to do in our lives. God, for those of us who are here and we call ourselves Christ followers, for those who are here and they're believers, for those who are here, God, who may not yet believe and have put their faith in you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We are in our sixth of our series that we've had during the summer. And uh, we're coming to a close, which also means summer's coming to a close. Kids, aren't you excited? teachers, aren't you excited? This summer's coming to a close. And uh, we've been in this series called Did God Say That? And we have been in this journey over these past few weeks taking a look at some of the most common phrases that we attribute to God or we say comes from the Bible that either are just not even found in there, complete untruths, or they might contain an ounce of truth or maybe we um, maybe we have it not quite right, but it is uh, something that is a truth from God's Word or something that um, we may just say in a different way, and it's a complete truth. And so we've been taking a look at some of these most common phrases, and today we come to one uh, that, to be honest with you, is quite controversial, and it may be a little bit difficult to understand. And and so I've I'm, I'm been praying and I've been asking for God's Holy Spirit to give us clarity on this issue, and it's an issue that you may have dealt with in your life as a Christ follower. If you're here today and you are a Christ follower, maybe you've dealt with this issue. Maybe you've considered it. Maybe you've had discussions about it. Maybe you've never heard of it um, today. And uh, my prayer and my hope is, is that God would lead us to a place of hearing his truth from his word. And the phrase that I want to point out today that's not found in the Bible um, is this phrase, once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. How many of you have heard that phrase before? How I many of you have heard that phrase, once saved, always saved? For heard that phrase maybe before, maybe you've talked about it before. It's not found in the Bible, but I'm just going to go right out, come right out of the gates and tell you that it is true. The statement itself, while not found in Scripture, is absolutely true. Now, today is going to be a contrast um, in messages. And if you read the book of Romans, you, you really see that contrast come out in Paul's teaching. You see this idea that, once saved, always saved, or what's also called eternal security. Once saved means eternal security. We have that on one hand, and on the other hand, we have our response to that. And so I think that the the one is a truth, and I want to give you three ways that we can know for sure that, that that statement, once saved, always saved, is true. But then I want to talk about what our response to that biblical truth is because I believe that everything that we do as Christ followers hinges on what we believe about the truth, once saved, always saved. How many of you have ever lost something important to you? How many of you have ever lost something important to you? Yes. A few years ago, I lost my wallet. I was down on the south end and I was getting um, a pizza and I put my wallet on top This is what men do, don't we? We don't like wallets in our pockets, so we're always carrying it. I'm not going to do the purse thing. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. Like, I can't do the fanny pack, but I'm always carrying my wallet. And so I put it on top of the pizza, and then I pulled the pizza off on top of the car, and my wallet stayed right on top of the car. And then I drove off into the night, and um, it was not too bad because I never have any cash with me ever. Um, so uh, I, I think I had like 20 bucks or something in there. I think I just put a fresh 20 in there. So it wasn't a huge loss on that. Um, I didn't like losing that $20, but that was all right. Uh, the credit cards, that's always a fun one, isn't it? You have to make a lot of phone calls. And, but the worst part of losing a purse or a wallet is your driver's license, isn't it? Like losing the driver's license. Because if you lose your driver's license, what do you have to go do? You have to go down to where? The DMV. And we all love going to the DMV, don't we? If you work at the DMV, I'm sorry, but it's the truth, okay? Uh, the last time I went down there, um, I had to go twice because I forgot to bring one of the paper, pieces of paper that you need. And it's just, you know, it is what it is. So that for me was the biggest loss was, was my driver's license. It wasn't the cards. It wasn't the cash. It was a, it was a driver's license. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm driving around. Without a driver's license for who knows how many hours until I can get down to the DMV. I didn't make it days, by the way, but made it a few hours into that next day. Um, And and you know, I got thinking about that in that moment for those few hours. um, I I didn't have any identity. I couldn't show anybody that I was a you know belonged to any state or a place that I lived. And and listen, I want you to hear this today that um like. You guys who are here, who have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, I think part of our struggle is with this whole concept of, of what our identity is. And I think just like I lost that wallet and I lost my driver's license for a few hours. Like, I think that we really struggle with a lack of understanding who we are in Christ. And I think that understanding who we are in Christ really begins with this, one of the most foundational principles in all of Scripture. And I realize that some of you are like, I've got it. I understand this. This isn't a problem for me, this whole idea of eternal security. But there are some of you who are walking around and walked into this room and maybe listening online who who right now, like, you're really seriously struggling in terms of your Christian confidence because of this one issue, because you haven't nailed down this one incredibly important issue. And I've talked to people who have been Christ followers for decades who don't get this, like they really struggle with this, and it has so much to do with how we live. So today I want to begin by giving you three truths And then we're going to draw a conclusion, and then we're going to apply it, and we're going to spend some time on the application. So I'm going to to walk through three truths, and and here's here's how we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that eternity in Jesus Christ, our salvation is final, it's secure, and it's forever. The first thing is, is that our salvation itself is eternal. It's described all through God's word, all through scripture as an eternal thing, right out of the gates. And for some of you, you may want to put this passage like in a prominent place where you can see it and read it and and review it and pray about it and meditate on it. This is the letter of John in 1 John 5.13 says this, I write these things to you who, what's that next word? Believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may, what's that next word? Know. He says that you may know that you have eternal life. And there are times in scripture where God is trying to communicate to those who who are struggling with their confidence, with their identity in Christ. And he's trying to get us to understand and nail down that our salvation is secure. It is eternal. And there's nothing that we can do or that anyone else can do to take that away. And with that thought in mind, with that truth in mind, then we should be able to live confidently. John 3.16, a very familiar passage probably to most of you, even if you're not really into church or into the God thing, you probably know this passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed, there's that word again, believes in him, should not perish but have what are the next two words eternal life we sometimes miss that we sometimes just skip over the fact that what god did in sending his son jesus to this world dying on the cross rising again defeating death 3 days later is he gave us eternal life he took away our sins but he also has promised us eternal life john 10:28 John 10, 28 and 29 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's, of the father's hands. He talks about eternal life. He talks about never perishing and he talks about the fact that nothing, that no one will be ever... to be able to ever take that away. And so if you're here today and you walked in with a lack of confidence, I want you to first and foremost know that your salvation, if you have genuinely put your faith in Jesus, if you have genuinely asked for his forgiveness and put your belief in him, that salvation that you have is forever. It is eternal. The second thing I want you to know is, is that our salvation is not based on our actions. It is a gift. Isn't that great news? I don't know about you, but that is that is the best part of God's of, of salvation, is that this is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. One of, one of um, my... Um, my father-in-law, um, who passed away a few years ago, Cynthia's dad, who was just an amazing evangelist. He shared his faith wherever he went. This was his favorite two verses in all the Bible. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Let that sink in for a moment. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of What? Of works that anyone could boast so that no one may boast he says and so we can know that um, our salvation is first and foremost it is it is eternal it is forever but secondly it's not based on anything we do and here's why that's important I want you to hear this church because if it were reliant if our salvation were reliant on our good works if we got tired of doing good works guess what that salvation is in jeopardy right If we run out of good works to do, if we decide that we've had enough of a life of doing good works, and we want to do some bad things. If we want to do some things that are against God's will, that are are, are against his plan, if we want to do some some things that are on our own, then all of a sudden our, our salvation would be in jeopardy. But thank God it's not based on our good works. It's based on what he did on the cross. It's a free gift that he's given to you. It's a free gift that he's given to you. Back um, years ago, um, Cynthia and I had the opportunity to go um, to Malia, Spain, which is um, in Morocco. It's, it's like on the Afri- African continent and it's part of Morocco, but it's like this little tiny area. There's two little provinces of Spain um, in Morocco. And so we were there and we were doing a concert um, at the end of the week. And so we were telling people in the plaza there in Malia about this concert where we were going to share Jesus. And this part, you know, Morocco's not, you can't share Jesus in Morocco, but you can in Spain. And so it was really an amazing trip. And this whole area called Malia, this little city called Malia, um, it was a melting pot. It had people that were from France and it had people that were from Morocco and, and a lot of um, people that were from Spain. And so there were all kinds of different languages, but most everybody, spoke Spanish. And so as the week went on, we would hand out gifts. And so we we would talk about that. We would talk about uh, a free gift and we wanted the people there to make a connection that we were giving them a gift. And that later that week, we wanted them to come back and hear about the best gift that they could ever receive. And I want to point out too that in that passage there, it is um, not as a result of works. He talks about it is the gift. In verse eight, he said it is the gift of God. Listen, our salvation is the greatest gift. It's the gift that all the rest of our gifts are based upon. And so we need to realize that it's not based on anything that we do. Yet sometimes when it comes to our salvation. And when it comes to our lack of identity in Christ and our our lack of having a confidence as Christians, we try to do things to impress God or impress others. We, We try to, like, make salvation maybe a little bit better. I want you to know today that there's nothing that you can do that will make God's gift of salvation better. There's no more that we can add to that. It is truly a free gift. It is a free gift. And so our salvation is first and foremost, it's eternal. It is forever. It is not based on our actions. It's a free gift. And the third truth that I want you to know is that it is sealed. Our salvation is sealed by the powerful God who saved us. The God who gave us salvation in the first place. The God who loved us enough to defeat death is the same God who seals our salvation. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were, say that next word with me, sealed, sealed for the day of redemption. See, the readers of that passage would have understood that. Because in that day and age, the emperor of Rome would take his ring, that signet ring, and he would seal a decree or he would make a law and he would use that ring and he would seal it. And at that point in time, it was official. It was done. And I want you to hear today that if you have come to faith in Christ, if you have put your belief in him for salvation, it is done. There's nothing that you can do that could ever, ever, ever take that away. You have been sealed by God, by his Holy Spirit. So the one that was powerful enough to save us is powerful enough to seal us forever. I love Paul in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It's part of this contrast that I mentioned earlier. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to, what's that word? Separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. And so I want you to know, Christ follower, that your salvation is eternal. It's not based on anything that you do. It's a free gift, and it is sealed by God's Holy Spirit forever. You see, we can walk with confidence knowing that our salvation is for sure that we cannot lose our salvation. And so it kind of begs the question, this whole discussion, and these three truths kind of beg the question, does this really mean that now, because of that, that we can live any way we want and still go to heaven? And the answer to that question is yes, because you can't not earn a free gift. So the answer has to be yes, right? And I know some of you are sitting there, and you're very uncomfortable right now, aren't you? You're like, but wait a minute. Wait a minute, Todd. Wait a minute. Isn't that heresy? Isn't that an untruth? Well, I want you to know that that statement is true and that we can live any way that we want. We won't lose our salvation. But I want you to hear this, Christ follower. I want you to hear this, church, that the gift that we've been given is the most valuable gift that we could ever have been given. And in light of this great gift that God gave us, Should we? Should we treat it in such a way that we would just now live the way that we want? Or should we, in light of this amazing gift that God has given us, should we make the most of every opportunity to live in a way that pleases Him? You see, I... I, I want to tell you that I think if we are Christ followers and we're, I think if we're kind of in that mode of of asking a question that I probably asked as a teenager in my mind at least, maybe I didn't verbalize it, but like, how much can I get away with? Any of you remember asking that question? Some of you who are teenagers, you're kind of like thinking that, maybe asking that question. Like in my home, how much can I get away with? I, I pushed the limits a few times. I, it wasn't terrible but I pushed the limits a few times, and I would ask myself the question internally, I wonder how much I can get away with. And that is a huge contrast to someone who's asking, what can I do with this great freedom that I have been given? And church, I, I want to I be a, a Christian, and I, I want us to be Christ followers, and I want Us to be a church, I dream of a church of people who take this amazing gift that God has given us and and live it with confidence and live with the confidence that that, uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews 4. Check this out, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's talking about Jesus. And then the writer says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And listen, that's the way we should be living, with confidence. I love the Bible because it gives such great examples of two different types of of Christians. And often when you talk in terms of eternal security and the fact that we can't lose our salvation, you, you see maybe two different types of people described. And one of them is Uh, described often as the thief. I call him the criminal on the cross next to Jesus. And that crucifixion, that horrible thing that took place on that hill right outside of Jerusalem, in the moment of his greatest desperation, he cries out to Jesus. And essentially, he believes in Jesus. And Jesus responds to this criminal who did nothing to earn his salvation. He responds with, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. He offers him salvation. He grants him salvation. Eternal and secure forever. But that thief... That criminal being on that cross had no opportunity then to live in light of salvation, to walk in confidence and full assurance, doing everything to honor the work that God had done through his son's death on the cross. Paul, on the other hand, in contrast to that, is a man who was the worst of worst sinners. God got a hold of him in a remarkable way and he lived, it took him a little while, but he lived the rest of his life honoring God in light of the gift he had been given. And my question to you who are here today, who are Christ followers, is how are you living? How are you living? What are you doing with the great gift that God has given you, the great gift of Salvation. Paul really deals with this in Romans. And we see this contrast really from Romans chapter 5 into chapter 6. I've mentioned it before. It's kind of like the the, the pinnacle of of what we believe as Christ followers found right in those those chapters there in Romans 5, 6, and 7. And I want you to read um, verses 20 and 21 of Romans chapter 5. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. That's sin. But where sin increased grace abound all the more. He says, essentially, that when our sins increase, that grace keeps coming, that God's grace, essentially, is unlimited, and it covers us even when we sin, even when we continue to sin. It covers and covers and covers and covers. It's, it's a little bit like a great gift that really never runs out. It never ends. And he says in verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness. There's his first time really talking about righteousness in this part leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But look at what he says in Romans chapter 6. Essentially, he says that grace is unlimited, that it can go on and on and on forever. But look what he says in Romans 6. Paul asks this very, very difficult question. What? Shall we say then? What, in light of this great gift that we've been given, this great gift of salvation, what shall we say then? And he says, Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? And I think what Paul is saying when he says this in verse 2 he says, By no means should we do that. Essentially, what Paul is saying is that this gift of eternal life, this gift of grace is enough to cover you if you want to live any way that you want to live. But if we continue to live in it, we're just taking this gift that God gave us and we're throwing it aside. We're just putting it aside. We're discarding it, just like junk that we've had forever. And he says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? then he goes on in verse 3 he says don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in what's that next word newness of life for if we have been united with him in, his death, in the death like his, verse 5 says, we shall certainly be united with him, speaking of Jesus, in a resurrection like him. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And so here's... What I'm trying to say is that there are some of you who walked in here today and you walked in and your identity in Christ has, you have very little confidence because every time you mess up, you're afraid that you might lose your salvation. And I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can walk in the confidence that once you ask Jesus to be your Savior, if that is a genuine commitment that you have nothing to worry about. But there are some of you who are here today and you asked Christ to be your Savior. You, you put your trust in him years ago. You chose to believe in him. And you're kind of living your Christian life in a cavalier way, saying essentially to God, I don't really care what I do with this gift. I'm just glad I've got it. And I'm going to throw it aside. And man, Christ follower, I, I, I want and I want you and I want us as a church to live in a different way. I want us to live with this motive of wanting to, to please God with our lives. Not because we have to. Not because we're supposed to. But because it just comes from deep within. Because we understand the great gift that he gave us of salvation. We understand what he did on the cross. First John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. Do you see the change in motive there? We love because he first loved us. Paul addresses the church in Corinth and he tells them, I'm, I'm worried about you spirit that you people aren't spiritual enough. He says, But I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as, as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And so for some of you, yeah, you may be struggling with your confidence, and you need to hear what the Bible says. The truth is, is that you can never lose your salvation. But there are some of you who need to hear today that man, if you call yourself a Christ follower and there's no discernible difference between what you do and how you live your life and the world, then what are you even doing it for? What are you even doing it for? Maybe you're asking the wrong question. Maybe the question is not how much can I get away with, but in light of this amazing gift that God has given me, in light of the gift that God has given us, what am I going to do with it? Great theologian Francis Schaefer wrote a whole series of books, wrote, wrote in particular one book on it, and he asked the question, what shall we then do? In light of what God has done, what are you going to do that's going to be different now because he's made you different my hope and my prayer is, is that God would use our church to reach the world for Christ. My hope and my prayer is that we get to reach out in our community in remarkable ways and see people to come to faith in him and that we serve our community. We're going to be talking about that in a few weeks. My hope and my prayer is that you engage and start growing in a life group, in, a, in one of our groups, in one of our classes. We've got some great opportunities, but before we do any of that, I want to ask you, how are you Living in light of the great gift he's given you. How are you living? Ephesians 4.1 says, I chose to follow Jesus as a response to his love because he gave me the greatest gift, a home in heaven for eternity with him and his father. Church, if we live in light of that, if we live using the great gift of salvation for our family, for our community, and for the world, and not for ourselves, not with our fire insurance, knowing that we got it, we're okay. I believe God's going to bless that. I believe we're going to be better followers because of it. Father, I pray that you would Lead us and guide us right now. God, I pray for those who came in here today and their confidence as a Christian is shaky at best. And God, perhaps they needed to hear that the phrase that we might say often, once we're saved, we're always saved, is true. Right now, if you're here and you've been lacking confidence in your life and maybe, maybe you keep thinking that if you don't do enough good or perhaps if you do some bad that it undoes the good, that perhaps you're going to lose your salvation. And I want you to know today that you don't have to worry about your salvation. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. And Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus for anyone in the sound of my voice who has doubted their salvation. God, I pray that you would give them in the depth of their soul the confidence to walk with their head held high. Not because of anything that they've done, but because of what you did on the cross. But God, I pray for those who are here today and they've been living a little bit, maybe too much in a cavalier way in light of the fact that they know where they're they're going when they die. And God, I pray for each one of us that we would be careful not to use our salvation as a reason to just live how we want, but God in, in light of what you did on the cross in response to the great gift, that free gift that you gave us, God help us to have the right motive to live for you. God, I pray if our heart is hard right now, that you would begin to change it into a heart of clay. And God, that you would change our minds, our hearts. God, you would allow us to look at our hands and how we live our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to live for you. Change our motives. Father, if we're asking the wrong question, Help us to change why we do what we do. God, I pray for those who are here today. When I read those words, that there's nothing that can separate us from you and your love. If they're really honest, they've never really been joined to you. Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would allow this today to be their day of salvation. If you're here or if you're within the sound of my voice and you've never put your faith in Jesus and if you were really honest with yourself, you're really honest with God right now, you'd say, you know what, I've really, there's no reason I can be separated because I've never really been joined. And maybe today you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if something happened to you as you leave here in this place, from this place, that you would spend eternity with God in heaven. I want to encourage you and I want to invite you to ask Jesus to be your Savior, to become a believer, to put your trust in Him. And I want to invite you to do that right now. And I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And if you feel led, if God's reaching out to you right now, maybe He's showing you some of the junk you've had in your life and how you can't do any good. You can't do good enough to get to Him. Maybe today is the day you put your trust in him. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and I wanna invite you to pray it along with me, just in you and God in the silence of this moment. It's a prayer that goes like this. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And right now I put my faith, I put my trust in you to take away my sins. And I put my trust and my faith in you for eternal life. Help me now to live for you. If you prayed that prayer or something like it, just in the quietness of this place with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. I promise I won't embarrass you. If you would raise your hand. Awesome. Anyone else pray that prayer today? God, I pray for those whether their hands are raised or not, God, they prayed that prayer. God, I pray that you would help solidify them to your word. God, that you would help lead them to a church wherever they live, whether it's here or somewhere else. God, that teaches your word, that encourages them in their faith walk. God, may you help them to not stray from you. God, help each one of us to walk with confidence and conviction because once we ask, to put our faith in you. Once we make you our Savior, we never can lose that salvation. Thank you for that fact. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.